Hello everyone and welcome to episode 2 of the Warhound League. I'm joined by Dennis again. Hi everyone. And Max. Hey there. Uh, This episode we're going to have a bit of a chat about the 10th season previews. We're going to look back at our season 4 of the league and we're going to look ahead to season 5 of the league which is a teams league this season. Uh, By complete coincidence the three of us have all ended up on different teams. So we're hopefully going to give some insight as to how our sort of team makeup was composed and how we tried to decide the matchups for each team as well. Um, but first off, we've got 10th edition on the horizon. I don't think it had been officially announced, or certainly none of the rules previews had been announced last time we spoke. Of the stuff that's been released and been previewed so far, what have you most enjoyed or what you're most worried about? I guess, I guess let's start with Max, because I know Dennis has some quite strong opinions. <laughs> um, well, the interesting one was the guard article that came out today, where you can basically take a, a 25-man unit um, with two, well, 26-man, I suppose, with two, 20 infantry members, five members from the command squad, and then well, I guess you can add any number of bodyguards to that command squad and and other heroes so i mean christ you could it could be 30 plus um in terms of bodies which is which is a lot um so that's interesting because i guess that's making it so that a, a whole platoon effectively is operating as a as a single unit um one of the slightly more concerning things was the strat that they showed off for them um which is difficult enough to get your head around when you can bring back a 20-man um, um, infantry unit, but when it can also be used to bring back three sentinels, given how problematic they've been in this edition to spam, uh, and that is, that, is, that is big. That is quite the benefit. I mean, I have no idea how good they're going to be. Um, it looks like a lot of the AP that they've been getting has been toned down. For example, the take aim order no longer gives that. Although interestingly, rather than plus one to hit, it improves their ballistic skill by one. Um, so if there are ways to get plus one to hit, I mean, shooting for the stars, but there, there seems to be a lot less AP in guard this time around. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, they've, they've looked on the main reasonably interesting. I mean, there's lots of, obviously lots of um, leadership um, or battle shock as it is now shenanigans with tyranids um chaos space marines look hilarious like you can you can really amp up the power but at the risk of mortal wounds um which is which is pretty pretty thematic which seems pretty fun um space marines look like they're going to be quite strong question mark um but yeah, I mean, we'll just have to see because this is obviously just really scraping the the surface of things, and it's difficult to draw too many conclusions from from much of it. But um, it definitely looks definitely looks really interesting. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I I really like what they've shown so far. I was probably not that bothered until I saw the Chaos Marine. One with the take leadership and then uh, buff yourself up. Because I think one of the things that CSM have always really struggled with is that they are like Space Marines, but not different 
enough and Marines, loyalist Marines tend to have just yeah, more rules over time. Um, and CSM just end up being like a bad copy of them. And having something that's not only looks powerful, but is very different to what the Marines are getting, um, especially in the way that really sort of ramps up the sort of sacrifice your soul for power and all that sort of things they do, is very exciting. Something we've seen vaguely dabbled with in the sort of, um, I think it's the Infernal household. You take some mortals and buff up yourself. Um, but seeing it in Chaos Marines is, is very exciting. Uh, agree about the, the worry about the, the Sentinels coming back. Hard to know how good that'll be, but whenever you get any unit for free, it's be, typically been very powerful, even when it's been uh, on a small scale. Um, but yeah, cautiously liking what I'm, I'm seeing so far and eager to see more of it. Yeah, me, me too. I think um, overall, I think the changes, well, the stuff they showed off, again, it's an, in the vacuum of seeing these rules in isolation without knowing the points and even like some of the core mechanics and uh, the stuff they haven't shown off. But the things they have shown off seem really cool. They're thematic. They're, some of them seem really powerful, like con worryingly powerful, uh, like Marines rerolling everything in an addition where apparently there are fewer rerolls. But um, yeah, like for me, the the whole Tyranids approach to the kind of power, you know, with interacting with the battle shock and being able to choose when to do that army wide. And as a mechanic, it could be you know game breaking or winning. But I think there's going to be a really high skill ceiling to people and know when to use it well and the right time to do it and set it up versus people who just kind of you know do it as and when i think the marines are you know, strong in a very traditional way like it it doesn't really take much skill to be able to reroll hits and wounds right you're just going to get that as a given so which sort of goes with them as a starter army right that you, you they're, they're going to be strong thematically but also strong out of the gate like if you go and pick up marines and that's the first army you play with they're going to seem strong, and you don't necessarily need to know what you are doing especially well. CSM super cool. I love the stuff they showed off for them. Love the love the trade off of you can continually to harm your your own troops and your units over time to continue to get really quite powerful buffs. But you know maybe you'll be yeah, happy to do it for a turn or two. But what happens after five turns of continuing to take that damage? Like it will accumulate over time. Um, yeah, and share everyone's concerns with guard. I think that. Bringing bringing units back is pretty terrifying. The fact that they do it seemingly better than Necrons <laughs> terrifies me and scares me. Um, yeah, and the Necron one, I like. I winched about it enough since it's released. I think it was a massive letdown in so many ways. Most importantly, it just didn't seem fun. Like as an army rule, they could have done so many cool things with it, and it didn't seem that fun. And also, I don't think it's animations is going to work like none of you guys will let me keep a unit alive to reanimate you'll just kill it dead <laughs> and then i don't get to use my army rule yeah i think that yeah me and dennis have chatted about this in a i think a couple of different forums um the the counter to that is that if things are harder to kill reanimation is more valuable because you know you you revive a, a scout marine from an apothecary, no one cares. You revive a deathwing terminator, and it's horrendous. 
Um, Necrons obviously aren't going to be as tough as Death and Warriors in the current edition. Um, and we had different views on the the time unit because it's a it's a command phase regeneration now, uh, or in the intent, um, which does give you more chances to kill the unit. But equally, it is also the same time when an objective is scored. Uh, I think it's just before, in fact, um, which means that you can you can steal objectives that people weren't expecting, which is quite a, a powerful ability. Um, yeah, and Especially. I agree with that entirely. And I think the reason it works in ninth, right? The reason why that mechanic was really cool, and Necrons did it really well. Even if, but some armies also had it, like Gene Stealers and others that could bring models back. Um, is because you had the survivability because of reanimations throughout, like being able to reanimate after every activation, that you had that much more of a chance to survive. And now, I just don't think. Even if the addition is less killy, I still think it's not going to be hard to kill a unit sufficiently that you're either nowhere near their objective or there is no unit to reanimate. I could be proven wrong, of course. I mean, like I said, it's all in isolation. The thing I'm really hoping out for is that they didn't really explain anything about how other reanimation tricks can work with that. You know, you have the cryptics, the uh, super awesome reanimator that nobody almost almost no, nobody uses today but could be really good resurrection orbs you know stuff like that maybe even some other special rules there is definitely a lot of scope for that to for example allow you to do reanimations out of regular sequence so maybe as well as being able to do it in your command phase maybe it allows you to do it during some other part of the turn that would be really powerful yeah, it's interesting you mentioned things like the reanimators, um, because I, th I think the big thing for me is how do you make every unit in the codex? I mean, that's one of the big challenges, I think, going into 10th. How do you make every unit an option that someone potentially might want to take and it won't just immediately have them playing the game on hard mode? Um, and I get, I guess that that all comes down to points at the end of the day. If something crap, but it's dirt cheap, then maybe there's a place for it. But that, that for me, there's, there's still too many units in the game that will never ever see the tabletop. They'll just never be used. You know, you look at Space Marines, and they've got so many data sheets, and so many of them never ever get seen. Like Reavers, like I mean, they've been crap for since they since they existed since at the start of eighth um so that's the that's the big thing for them that they i think they've got to get right here is they have so many models now and that range is only going to increase how do you how do you create better list diversity because i think i think we're probably all quite bored of seeing a whole bunch of desolation marines because they're just an auto take or or, or whatever yeah, Desolation Marines have only been out for a month and a half or whatever. Um, but uh, I haven't seen a competitive uh, Marine list without 10 of them at least for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, uh, they're not fun to play against. <laughs> um, no, and uh, I mean, we'll get onto the league stuff um, later. Um, and I've, I've actually, I'm going to be taking some and I will, having been on the receiving end of it, know just how feel bad it can be um 
But do you know what? Given the absolute shellacking I got in the league this time around, the gloves are off. <laughs> so it's all my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Matt's fault, surely. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, your game was fun. Matt's game was not fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one thing I'm I'm really interested in is characters, right? Because there's been all this talk around characters being part of units and how they interact with units and the auras are not really going to be auras. But the stuff they showed off for Guard was, I think, the first time they referenced uh, aura-type abilities. Because I think they said that um, the ability to give out orders is within six inches of the character, which means he can give it not just to the unit he's attached to, but to other units within the range, uh, which is kind of how we play today, right? But mm. I think that's the first time they've alluded to characters being able to do that. Uh, Gulliman and Avedon have had aura abilities, but uh, and they've they've been specified as aura in in brackets. But they're oh, but they're, but they're but they're also you know very expensive one-off characters that are sort of with army defining traits. They're not a you know an officer's going to be you know they're about what thirty to fifty points at the moment, depending on what you get. Whereas Gulliman and Avedon are both uh, three hundred ish. Um, it will be interesting to see, like, a Space Marine Lieutenant, how do you point him to the point where he's a good unit to include, he's a good model to include in a unit, um, but he's not so expensive that that becomes prohibitive because he's no longer buffing a, a whole bunch of units standing around him. Um, he's, he's only doing it for that one unit. So units like that, I, I can't imagine their points will for them to be viable will stay at the level they are otherwise you, you're just not going to take them i mean you're essentially paying like a points upgrade to give the unit an ability to do something they doesn't otherwise do right so it's yeah because, that kind I mean, of level we're talking about yeah because i mean they a space marine lieutenant is not that killy and with the new um enhancements mechanic you're obviously not going to give him a whole bunch of war gear to make him an absolute psycho. Um, so I don't know how expensive you can make him for him to be worth taking. I think that's an, it's an interesting point I can consider that if you've got all of these... I think when you look at characters at the moment, a lot of the best support ones are... There's a lot of similar um, support characters, like the Lieutenant, you know, he costs, what, 80 points in Marines, and if there's the like sisters variant that cost 60 points and in 95 percent of circumstances you'd rather have the sisters one because they're just cheap and sit at the back and you'd rather save 20 points because you don't care about the melee profile well that's um, why lieutenants get picked all the time in um iron hands players because they everything already re-rolls ones to hit anyway and they give the re-roll um a re-roll to wound they're primarily so you can stick the range extending aura capabilities on them um, so it's a really cheap base unit that you've slapped a whole bunch of stuff on for CP um, to to massively augment your entire army. They're simply not going to be able to do that anymore. Yeah, my my thought is if they if they're in tenth edition, they become more valuable to provide if they are providing rerolls or whatever the buff is to to combat units because at least you are getting the the melee value of them, and you might see a shift away from the the sort of very cheap, fragile ones that just sit in the back. Um, you know, maybe your psychos go into a, a Devastator squad or equivalent, but most of the sort of medium-level 
um, lieutenant type characters um, get attached to combat squads so they can go and punch and get some value with that as well. Well, the, yeah, I mean, this reminds me like a little bit back of fantasy, right? When you can have these all characters had to, or most characters had to be attached to units and be like within the, and then you had the choice do you put them in the front rank on somewhere at the back? Um, the issue with that is as soon as you get into a melee unit and you expect the character to be in danger, unless you know he's tough enough to survive, then you'll probably be able to. Like, I don't know how, you know, I'm assuming if you're like base to base with him, then you'll be able to fight him. And so if you can get like multiple models base to base with him, if the unit he's fighting, you know, he his unit doesn't kill first, then they get to fight him back, you're in real danger of losing your character. Um, and then it's going to be that question, like, is it worth the tr the risk on the trade-off? I think on the really killy and tough characters, almost certainly, but I don't know if Lieutenants, as an example, would be one of those, right? Yeah. I mean, will we see more snipers? I mean, if you think about heresy, you know, every unit's got a sergeant with... Um, Artificer armor and an apothecary, and you see a lot of snipers in that to pick those off to try and then work your way through the rest of the unit. Um, I mean, snipers have been pretty mediocre for quite a while now. Will will they see a resurgence? I yeah. feel like this. They've never wanted to make snipers be good because they're such a feel bad. Like if you've ever played against the Harlequin Death Jester, that guy is just absolutely horrendous um mostly good because you can one shot a character from 36 inches very comfortably um unless they are you know aridon levels tough type thing um so i'd be i'd be surprised if sniper weapons actually ended up being any good and to be honest i'm fine with that i hope they don't because it is too swingy like it, it the problem is is that it's really hard to balance them right because mm. if you if and some armies have access to better snipers than others, um, and so if you can then just remove the opponent's characters early in the game, that's a massive advantage and potentially it stops the rest of the game being fun. Yeah, I think I think character interactions have been one of the areas with the most jank in every single edition, because you want to give them some protection so they're not just shot off the board by lance cannons and stuff. Um, but equally, that protection tends to manifest itself in like very odd rules-wise. Like I'm not sure if you remember like the early eighth edition list where someone took like an all characters list, and then they had a couple of those like imperial assassins that could only be hit on sixes, which were essentially protecting the rest of the old, the other characters behind. Um, and they're immune to psychic. So you, yeah, the um, Calexus and immune to psychic, so you couldn't um, couldn't snipe them out with mortal wounds. Hmm. Yeah, it's like the edition's come a long way against since then. Um, but that's that is an extreme example of the sort of weirdness the character level protection has had. Um, so it's, yeah, as I was saying, very hard balance to get right. And from what uh, they've showed I, off so far, they really haven't shown off much about characters. Like, obviously, like you said, they showed Gilliman and, and Abaddon, and we heard a little bit about uh, officers today from the guard release, but really like there's we don't really know how they're going to work and interact and how they can be attached to different units and what the restrictions are and the points and everything yeah to, to me i think because every edition of 40k we've had like characters 
have really been where your army either gels together well or not. But obviously, you need main army rules and everything else. But I think every army that's been strong usually has been backed up by really strong, cheap characters that kind of buff rest of the forces and make them synergize. Yeah, I can't think, can't think of an army that's been top tier that hasn't had really good characters. I guess uh, some of the Iron Hands builds, the characters are pretty supplementary to the heavy weapons. Um, they'll, they'll have a tech marine and a primaris lieutenant. Yeah, I, I guess also it depends if you count the uh, ridiculous Iron Hands Contempt of Dread as a, uh, as a character in the traditional sense or not. But uh, Looking forward to him going in the bin. I am. I'm very much looking forward to that. I, still I can't believe he's still around. Replacing... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I remember facing Nassim's uh, at that Kent tournament, and I've had oh, I've had PTSD ever since. Um... Yeah, he uh, he killed your army and then proceeded to kill my army. First, <laughs> I can't remember which way around it was, but either way, yeah, we were both on the receiving end of that, and that was not fun. Uh, I, I was first because I remember saying to you, because yeah, at that stage you two were playing off for essentially the top spot, and somebody mentioned that whoever came, that that game, whoever finished that game, regardless of result, was going to be first and second. So after you lost, I went to over to you and was like, oh, I think you become second overall. And then I won my last game quite heavily against actually a very similar list. That seems. Um, played James Pilkington, who's a very good player. And so when I seemed to play an awful lot around that time. Um, and then I ended up nicking second spot from you and feeling very bad. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. I didn't even make, I did, I didn't even pay the other I ended up fourth because uh, yeah. I only scored like, I, I just broke over 50 points against NASA and ended up not even making the podium. There you you actually got the most points against Nassim in that tournament, I remember. Yeah, that, I, was, I was, yeah that, that was my, my the, the only thing to prevent the tears from washing down over my face. Iron <laughs> <laughs> uh, hands. Uh, I can't wait for them to not be a thing. Oh, yeah, they are. It, it is weird that, um, you know, 8th edition, they were broken and... Their power level has never really dropped below mid tier. Um, since then, like even when Marines were pretty low tier, Iron Hands were well, still a very strong faction. And well, and they weren't great when they could only be in Devastated Doctrine for one turn. Yes, you could sling another unit, uh, sling a unit every turn back into it. But um, I think they were pretty middling up until that happened, and then they were. Um, back to back to where they were in in eighth. I, I think they were like bottom of A, top of B in that time. Uh, I don't think they were especially popular, but I think I think and I think that contempt did a lot of heavy lifting in that list. But uh, um, yeah, c- compared to the ride some codexes and armies have had, they've always been at worst mid tier and occasionally broken. Whereas you look at some of the other armies and they've just been like, yeah, they've been meh to bad. They're probably in their head. Uh, 
for me the 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 crazy takeaway from all of that was is that who would have thought that making an untargetable high output highly efficient shooting unit is a bad idea <laughs> uh, i mean it baffles me that that nobody picked, thought that that would be a problem I mean, I hope there's yeah, nothing think... else but 10th edition, they learn that much. It's like, hey, if we're going to have a really highly efficient ranged unit, don't make it untargetable. We did that yeah. back in 7th with invisible Wraith Knights and nonsense like that. Nobody liked it. Nobody liked it when Iron Hands did it. Just stop it. I'm, I'm very conscious that this is very much people in glass houses, but... Um, given... Talent Master. Talent uh so i will yes i i i i am emp i sympathize and empathize uh in in equal measure yeah that's a i guess can you think of anyone that's had a more like consistently good run than iron hands then over the course of eighth and ninth edition i guess since iron hand supplement really um, Eldar, I think, have been well. Maybe Eldar, just as craft worlds, maybe not necessarily so. But I mean, they've never been terrible. But hey, no, just ran the lack of because they're based around lack of interactive play, right? And there was yeah, I, yeah. I think I think craft worlds jumped to mind as the closest. Um, I, they were my absolute bane in eighth edition, and I have barely played against them in ninth, um, which I can't say I'm uh, displeased about. I think the you, mur you murdered mine the last time we played. I, oh, I've forgotten about that one year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean that. But you were running quite an experimental list, weren't you? Into what what is a very strong list, particularly into. Toughness three bodies. Yeah, I had lots of banshees and harlequins and um, striking scorpions, and you had a good amount of desolator marines, and I didn't have any transports. Yeah, um, I mean, you might have got on better had you not kept on failing leadership tests um, with quite such reckless abandon. Um, <laughs> it was insane. Uh, yeah, I think I rolled three sixes in a row, and then you rolled. And then you rolled a one on the combat attrition. Uh, so, yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess if I'm going to have a game like that, when it's a, a friendly muck about, that's the, that's the game to have it in. Um, yeah, definitely. That's right. Get it out of your system before, before <clears throat> any serious tournament games. Yeah. I, can, I couldn't believe it, because the thing is, I was deliberately trying to not kill the unit, just really mitigate its effectiveness because i knew that if i did that meant there'd be a yinkan hopping all around the board either some to go and whack me on the nose or to be somewhere i couldn't shoot him um so it was it was quite cat and mouse but then ewan kept on failing his leadership check so the yinkan <laughs> go wherever he wanted <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry i i played around you trying to not kill my stuff too effectively uh, <laughs> Um. Also, Drakari, though, right? Uh, I, I'll put, I, I'd say Harlequins too. But the thing with Harlequins is there's so few people playing them that there is a huge like skill gap. You see some people playing them, and they're just wizards. And then, I'd, yeah, but Drakari seems yeah, I'd, consistently good. I think. I'd, I'd agree with 
Harlequins. Jukari certainly in ninth. Over eighth, they were a bit more erratic. Um, it was certainly good. Their Talos were pretty good in eighth from memory. Um, it's when they had their Talos and Flyer spam. It was pretty yeah. ridiculous. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Eldari as a as a general uh, combined faction, I guess, and on hands then. Um, yeah, because Tyranids were mostly terrible in eighth. They weren't great. Um, guard. They were, carried, they were carried so hard by Hive Guard. Nids. They had one of the best units, and then a rubbish rest of the book. Yeah. Hmm. Another unit shooting out of line of sight. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Although they're crap in this edition, although that will be something to do with the 24-inch range. Yeah, I've never, I've never even tried them in, or seen them tried in this edition. Um, it feels I like think... it's still a powerful... They might, they might have had a... Uh, it might have been an okay role prior to the uh, line-of-sight nerf. Because they, they, can, they can only shoot line-of-sight when you have... They could only shoot out line of sight now if you have a model that sees them or some rule to like that effect. It might have been a sign-ups thing, which isn't that hard with nids. But yeah, when the when the when the ballistic skill thing, ballistic skill and AP came, change came in, it rather torpedoed them as a unit, which I had no no sadness over. No. It's like we were talking with, uh, I think it was with. Tom Thomas Douche yesterday, and we were saying that it would be an interesting change in tenth. I mean, with obviously no idea if they're going to do it or not, but for, for line of sight shooting to kind of force it to require some kind of spotter, you know, so that you can you can do out of line out of line of sight shooting, but it requires you to have a unit that can see that unit. Should yeah, I at the. Uh, Birmingham. The Beachhead Brawl, I played against a guard player that was spamming non-line-of-sight artillery and had the guard custom trait where if you have a spotter you get plus one to hits with mortars and all that type of stuff. Um, and it wasn't that hard to do, um, but it, it's at least something, at least when you kill the initial sort of chimeras and sentinels and whatever other units give them away, then, you know, later in the game, they lose effectiveness, you know, mortars and stuff never move beyond the back centers of the board in 99% of cases. I reckon they should bring back guess the range for um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, out of line of sight. I mean, with the standard board setups, it's not hard, is it? Yeah. UK2C, you could work it out exactly every time. That building's always five inches from the back. You just need to work out, you know, work out the angle once and you're good forever. Yeah, yeah. maybe maybe do some Pythagoras revision before a game. And you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that would be quite fun. I know uh, Adam... Uh, who's play a lot of Warhammer Fantasy? Whenever he's talking about, oh, is that, is that within twenty-four or not? He's he's almost always spot on when he's getting his sort of things like that before he measures. Um, so yeah, I think I think he'd be very happy if we brought guest rangers back. Yeah, but um, then it, yeah, it's uh, maybe not the most sensible so- solution. Yeah, 
as, lo- as long as we don't bring back scatter templates because those were those were just an argument. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, although I, the flamer ones were quite good. Um, but moving off, reminiscing about I guess seventh edition rules, and there's not a lot to reminisce about seventh edition rules in a in a positive way. Uh, should we look back at season four of Warhound League? Um, should we start in uh, Division Six and work our way up? Um, mostly because the bottom two divisions were rather gutted by dropouts, which is a bit of a shame. Um, yeah, go for it. Um, so yeah, Division Six. Um, there were buys in every round. Same because we only got uh, three in there in the end. So Dan Browning, who um, won all three games and went through. Um, second was Jamie S and Danny, and then I lost all their games because I is not a player. Um, I think we've got Dan Browning versus Danny as one of the as the first game of as one of the first games in the rounds. So we can see who's the who's the proper Dan. What's the uh, what's the army lists? Uh, well, so it is Orcs versus Votan. Ooh, interesting. I I feel that feels like that's Orcs' favour to me. Um, they pass. They they're going to outscore Votan quite heavily, and Votan's like here's a billion mortal wound stuff and super high AP weapons isn't necessarily especially what you want into Orcs. No, um, and and Orcs don't really have a lot of reroll wound mechanics, so they don't really care about void armor. Oh, I think it's okay. But uh, yeah, provisionally that feels like a, a good matchup for Orcs. Um, so I guess that we'll for season six, which is probably going to be a 10th edition season, uh, what's happening is divisions are getting merged together, assuming you've got enough players. Um, reason being that if you joined, we put you somewhere near the bottom and work up. But if you joined in division five and you are like the most amazing player of all time, it will take you four seasons under the current model to get to Division 1, one where you may belong. Um, so the idea is that rather than having Divisions 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, we have Divisions 1A, 2B, uh, 1A, 1B, 2A, 2B, 3A, 3C, uh, 3A, 3B. Letters are very tough, especially when you've only got to remember A and B. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that way, we've got a sort of wider division. Uh, while still keeping three games. And it also means that um, if you're in a division quite consistently, you can still randomize A and B each season so that the player pool gets mixed up a little bit more as well if you're you're not going up and down. So hopefully that's uh, something that'll make the league better and we'll review it at the end of the season and see what people think. Um, there's, There's not a lot of division difference between divisions and when you get assigned division at the start it's a little bit of guesswork 
and trying to like honor the previous seasons but don't want to like unfairly penalize you for too long um because i know uh stuart wasn't in the league last season but he, he was he's a very good player in season he got put in quite a low division in season three mostly because dennis kept on sacrificing him in season two of the team's league and... Can we just be clear? What did Dennis? <laughs> this was a team decision. He was a fully willing participant in that, and uh, it worked out well for everybody involved. So yes, you you, you did win that season, but I bet Stuart's win rate was quite low, so he got put in a low division and then smashed everyone in that. So that's the that's the example we want to avoid. But we'll blame Dennis exclusively for that. Um, division five started with four players and i think we we had two dropouts in that um which very much affected the the standings um which is a shame but uh tom f came out as top of that winning all three games uh he's also playing playing and captaining next season uh and bringing world eaters so he's obviously a legend being a chaos player um you and what was he playing in season four, what was his army? Then? He was playing World Eaters as well. Oh. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. He the, the big game in that was uh, Chris versus Chris O versus Tom, uh, which was Black Templars versus <clears throat> World Eaters, which feels like a World Eater favored matchup. Tend to two very similar power arm, armored armies, but. Well, this is a very good second reason fight on death. I'm not that familiar with Black Templars, but um, that seems like the sort of matchup as a world leader player on paper that you'd want to try. Yeah, I think the resiliency of Black Templars is just not as good as it is. It doesn't match the damage output of world eaters. Yeah. yeah. Also, it's it's like baby transhuman, which doesn't really matter if you're just a lot of strength six stacks. Yeah. Yeah, three to three. Uh, Division four, uh, we had Cam, Jasper, Kieran, and Mike. Uh, Mike ended up winning all three games with his Orc list. Um, He is on my team this season. Well, I should say on Adam's team, but he's part of the team I'm in. Um, Yeah, I had had a game against Mike on uh, Thursday, actually. to uh, to see to see what his uh, his list was all about ahead of um, ahead of the season. Yeah, from what you were saying earlier, you rather smashed him. Yeah. Uh, it was not close. Um, I think he he. I mean, it's. I think he. I'd sort of put my army at a range that was maybe if he declared the war, he could get stuff in. Maybe he couldn't. It was quite high risk. So he didn't. And then I I advanced everything and, and killed a lot of stuff um, in my turn too. Um, and, uh, and really gummed him up um, with uh, warp, sacrificial warp talons who were just really blocking up anywhere his bikes or anything that wasn't infantry wanted to go. I think that is an, a, a challenge for orcs is the, I think, I think if you play well into orcs, you, you're looking for, for screening in key parts of the board. 
Um, and I think that was that was an issue, an issue for him there. And were you playing word bearers? I was, yeah. Um, yeah and then my job. disco lord went on a rampage. Um, he killed uh, a, two bikes, uh, a death dread, a truck, um, two scrap jets. Uh, bear, bearing in mind, this is this is at, by the end of turn three um, when we when we called it. So uh, he was he was a wrecking ball. Um, yeah, to finish off, Mike uh, was top with three wins. Jasper second with one win, one draw, one loss, uh, and a 42-point differential. Kieran was third, one win, one loss, one draw, and a minus 12-point differential. Uh, and Cam was last. Fun fact about Kieran. Um, we've had 205 games in total. It's about 100 and, I guess 100, 203 games played. Um, excluding uh, the odd buy, um, we've had two draws in that time, one in every fifty games, and both of them have been involving Kieran, which is very impressive. <laughs> that is incredible. And yeah. he's playing. He's playing sisters right throughout. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, he's not playing next season. He's giving a break till tenth edition. Um, is that the tournament yesterday? I think he was one and two. Do you know if you top of your head, Dennis? Yeah, I think that's right. But he had a very yeah. close game versus Sid's night, so that was uh, yeah. sounds like it could have gone either way. But yeah, rough rough start to a tournament going up against. Yeah, that. everyone except Sid was cheering for Kieran in that one, and he he got very close. Uh, uh, Division three, uh, we had Adam, Craig, Ethan, and Matt L. Uh, Adam went through with his Death Watch. Um, I think we picked Adam in our predictions to go through. I think we thought Death Watch in a very Xenos-heavy group would be handy. Um, and I think the, the big match in that was Adam versus Craig in round one, which Adam won by two points. Um, uh, so Adam will be going up to theoretically Division 2, but that'll be either 1A or 1B next season. Um, Craig with two wings and just the very close loss to Adam. Matt with one win and two losses, and Ethan with uh, three losses in there. Wow. Uh, two points settled uh, settled the division. Yeah, and I think that's something like a, a like a no prisoners uh, recount at the end sort of made a, a big difference in that sort of thing. Um, right. but yeah, that's, that's, that's one secondary um, in the game. You know, you get an assassinate or a, you know, whatever your secondary of choice is, or missing R&D and that sort of thing, and that's the difference. And Craig was was he orcs? He was orcs, I believe. Yeah, uh, how interesting! Check. Um, yeah, Craig was orcs, and he's orcs again this season. He is. Uh, he's on uh, on the team that I am on. Orcs seem uh, to be uh, quite popular in our little meta locally. There's a quite yeah, they are. Now. They are the most common in a, in the teams league. There's one on three of the four teams. Um, then I think it's GST and World Eaters the the next two with two two things. Quite a f- not that many Marine players actually considering um, and all different chapters, but yeah. Uh, Division two. Um, Dennis, do you want to take this one? 
Yeah, sure. <laughs> that, I, I was on this one because, uh, yeah, as we said last time, I uh, bravely brought Blood Angels out for a spin against the Shark Pool of Division 1 and got briefly and very promptly relegated down to Division 2, which is uh, where I was at, back on with my Necrons. So we had myself with Necrons, Jamie had Custodes, James... Uh, James had uh, Votan, I think. Yeah, he and brought then... Votan and he had to drop out after the first game. Yeah, and Tom had his guard. Um, it was really interesting, really, really strong league, like Votan, guard, custodes, and well, Necrons it can be okay. Um, who ended up, I think Jamie won that in the end, didn't he? Because he had two wins and a bye, which gave him the three wins to get through. I finished yeah. on two wins and a loss to Jamie. And uh, yeah, like you said, James dropped out. And then Tom, with his guard, had one win. Yeah, so uh, do you want to chat about your game with Jamie? Because Jamie, we mentioned last time, had a habit of winning games by about five points each time. This time, he's up to that to an average of 10-point wins a game, which is helped by some buys, or a buy of 15 points. Um, the games he played, he won by uh, 10 points against Tom and five points against you. So he's, he's, his average winning margin in games played was seven and a half points, which is pretty tiny. <laughs> Um, so what, what happened in this game for you? Because that was essentially the um, the decider of the group. Yeah, it was it was interesting because up until then I had two hundred to fifty games, so I was like a hundred points in the lead, I think, or ninety five something like that. Uh, it says ninety five, but I think it was a hundred points in the lead because I had uh, hundred points. Yeah, hundred at the time, and then the, the loss put you down to ninety five. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So. So yeah, I was I was like I didn't expect to necessarily win against Votan or Guard because you know Necrons, but it was both games went well and I was like Custodes is really tough matchup. It's always hard because they have opsec. It's tough, lots of ways to mitigate uh, my uh, rerolls from the king and stuff. It was a really good game. Jamie played it really well. He plays that list really nicely. There was a few really clutch moments that. Um, just really didn't go well <laughs> for me. I had my two flyers, so I'm running two Doom Scythes, and um, they come in on turn on turn two. Everything was set up. Uh, the plan was to take out one unit of the um, uh, what are the shooty boys, the the heavy bolter looking guys with the Venatari. So Venatari, what are uh, for Venatari? Were the flying one? No, those are something else, right? The the jump pack troops or something else but the the four the four draw guys with a yeah heavy bolter and a something else that's close range shot well whatever they're called yeah those guys the, the the two profile shooty guys so the plan was to take them out and then also a unit of bikes because i had like something like 12 damage six uh, and then on average damage four to nine guns uh with rerolls to hit and stuff and then my auto wound strat as well uh plus all the other incidental shooting uh and it, it 
didn't work. He really spiked his saves, so I didn't scratch any of the bikes at all. Like he passed all of his saves. Only managed to kill three of the Bolter guys. Um and then uh, that meant both both of the bike squads were completely alive and kicking. They were not able to charge anything that turn, but he shot and killed a Doom Scythe with one of the each of the three man bike squads. So all shots hit, all shots wound, no saves, dead flyer. So my flyers kind of landed, did nothing, and then evaporated. Um, and then the second big swing was the um, you know Scorpec went into his three-man bike squad. Uh, a fully buffed unit of Scorpec destroyers with rerolls for wounds from the king, hitting on twos, rerolling ones, and failed to kill the unit. Left one bike on one wound because again he bossed all his saves, and then that one guy continue to accumulate about 10 points for our rest of the game because he was taking me off of my objective um he was because he was just killing like whatever i put on there fighting them killing them he was then jumping behind enemy lines and doing all other shenanigans just great play from jamie uh sadly just didn't didn't go my way but really enjoyable game was that the um was that the same list that you ran the last time we played? Uh, you, had bearers, two, you had two flyers. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I think so. Probably very similar. Yeah, I can't. I don't think I made any changes since. Yeah, and it's been um, it's been doing really well. It's like for me since I, I took it to a tournament like over yesterday that we did fairly well there until we run into Sid's night again. Um, so yeah, but that was just, it felt definitely very win very winnable, but uh, didn't happen. So dropped that one by five points. And great work from Jamie to pull that one out. Very, very well played. Yeah, I think over both seasons, Jamie's like BP differential is less than some people's after one game. It's has, has a knack of winning close games. Um, Fun fact, I played Jamie, I've only played Jamie in a one-off AOS game, um, which was decided when my, uh, I've got like a running Lumineth, which are, you know, modern high elves, and they've got like a despair lady magic person, um, and they cast a spell on a great big unit of uh, chaos knights um, that meant that they had to take a leadership test before they like charged or punched something. And he failed it three times in a row, um, right next to a bunch of archers that shot them off, which was, oh. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, this, I can't remember what they are exactly, but they're something like leadership nine or 10 and the spell meant they just sat there and literally did nothing for three turns in a row. So it was, um, it was heartbreaking to watch because it definitely cost him the game. <laughs> um, but uh, rather be a, a lucky general than a good one, I guess. And I'm assuming that's Chaos Knights on horses, not big metal robot men. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, fa yeah, fantasy Chaos Knights, not uh, not this sort of, case, sort of Chaos Knights that uh, Dennis had to play yesterday. Uh, at a very, very highly competitive tournament with, you know, you'd have to do well to win any games there, I reckon. Um, so, Division 1, 
we had both me and Max in there. Uh, I won with my Wildest List. Uh, won all three games. Uh, Max sadly had the opposite experience. Yeah, I um, I learned nothing from Dennis's experience of taking a list that he barely ever played into the Shark Tank um, and decided I was going to give Word Bearers a go for the first time, uh, which was... Um, well, the, the games against you and Rob were fun in so much as I killed everything, uh, more or less, um, but couldn't compete on, on primary or, or secondary. Um, I'm not sure they were, the games were that... I think ours game was... There was maybe, what, 17, 20 points in it, something like that, but... 19 never... points, just mostly yeah. on secondaries from memory. Yeah. Well, I think it was on primary as well because I didn't... It was a whole... I really the my list really suffers on the hold two hold three games because I was just scoring nothing um, first first few turns in those games, um, and but they but they were fun games. Um, we both got to punch each other. That was good. And then I ran into Matt's Iron Hands, um, and turn one went well. The plan worked, and then I had a bit of a rush of blood to head and decided to leave the centre of the board. Um, I think I was a bit worried about his points accumulation um, if I didn't do anything. And unfortunately, I got got to smithereens um, all over the shop and, and barely scored another point, I don't think. So uh, that was, well, I think I got 50-something points, but I mean, I, I'm not quite sure how I managed to scrape those together. It was uh, pretty traumatic. Three units of desolators. Um, uh, a, a dreadnought I couldn't um, couldn't target um, a couple of units of devastators all all the all the classic tropes of a of a competitive iron hands list and it was a yeah it was a real shellacking um, so uh, so yeah lesson learned I think uh, next next time I will bring the strongest list I can possibly muster um, into you fellas um, because uh, uh, you d deserve nothing less fair enough yeah our, our game was interesting because I was essentially tabled by the end of it um, which actually happened in most of my games to be fair um, but you know while these was able to string out enough you hadn't killed a lot either no no my, my kill secondary was very bad the uh, the Blood Tithe one was massive. I got 15 points in that, and I think you had behind, you took behind enemy lines, and so that was like yeah. a 15 point difference out of the 19 there. Yeah, um, that was that was a big swing. That was a big mistake on my on my part. Um, yeah, that was an interesting game. My game versus Matt was uh, I, I got a bit jammy in a few places. I won a very big first turn roll off, which meant I could chuck a bunch of eight bound downfield and just keep pressure on for a, a long time as a result. Made a couple of charges out of uh, Deep Strike, which was key, and he just couldn't get out of his deployment zone, really. Um, and again, I essentially got tabled by the end, but it didn't matter because I had enough points by then. Uh, and then I mean, Rob and me had a... Happen, right? that's, that's, that's the world eaters. I mean, way. like I, I'd rather like just sweep through them. Um, <laughs> but then you can't get the points, can you? I mean, you've got to get your units to die. I mean, it, I mean, like, you know, if my units aren't dying on objectives, that means they're not getting any points. Um, you know, um, you know, my, my stuff dying does score me points, but, you know, 
I'd rather kill them and get points that way. Um, which is obviously isn't going to happen as well. Leaders that often because they need to punch stuff in the face and um, you know a bunch of tanks in the back are very hard to kill. Um, I don't think I've killed a Lehman Russ like since the book came out. That wasn't from Bellacore. Actually, I guess I killed some in one game with some Beast of Nurgle. Um, but like 95% of the Lehman Russes I faced have survived because uh, I could just never get to them and never bother shooting them. Um, fight aside. Um, and then had a pretty close back and forth against Rob um, where the main memory I have of it is like killing a six wound rock grinder with like four or five crack grenades that I happened to have nearby. Um, and just Even you- pirate- with the minus one damage. Yep. <laughs> it, it was it was something silly. Um, it was like, oh, I'll give it a go. He's got an obsec unit in there and he's going to come out and deny some stuff. And then I just got really lucky with a bunch of crack grenades. Um, it popped out. I was able to kill the unit it's obviously very easily. Um, let, it, let it be known not to underestimate world eaters grenade chucking. <laughs> it was... I mean, they've done nothing in every other game, but when they, they when they were needed, they they did great stuff. Um, I mean, to be fair, they're all pretty dense, so you'd expect them to be able to throw it pretty hard. They probably didn't. <laughs> even, there's probably no explosives in there. They've just thrown it unbelievably hard. Well, they probably think if you're not going to give me a gun, the best they could do is just practice throwing this grenade until I'm really, really good at it. <laughs> yeah, they've got a bunch of like shot put throwers in there. Yeah, just, just good at you know hurling it on a chain and. Yeah, I like your thing, just using it as a melee weapon, essentially. Yeah. Throw it incredibly hard. <laughs> yeah, so Rob coming uh, runner-up for the, the second time in uh, two seasons there. Um, yes, yeah, so that is that is season four done and dusted. So, you, uh, Ewan, as a summary, what are the winning from each, uh, from each um, team? What were the winning armies uh oh what, the winning army each from last season yeah uh so world eaters in division one custodes in division two death watch in division three uh orcs in division four uh world eaters in five and orcs again in six so oh, That's a cool mix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. We've got some sort of reasonably quite big heavy hitters in there. You know, we've got orcs. And we had iron hands and uh, guard and things. Um, and yeah, for whatever reason, the, the shooty list didn't seem to get to the top. Um, which, to be honest, I'm perfectly fine with. Um, so, season five. Teams, teams of four, which does make the team allocation a little awkward. So how it, how the pairings work is team, teams roll off, get home or away. For purposes, team A is going to be home. In this example, team B is going to be away. Team A puts forward a team. Team B puts forward two teams when they know that. Team A then picks one of the two submitted and puts forward two teams to play with Team B, example, the, the reigning Team B. Team B then pick from one of the last two. Then 
last two players, uh, each team sends forward a secret pick, and the secret pick plays the non-secret pick, or, or secret pick plays the secret pick on each team, and the non-secret pick plays the non-secret. Reason it's done like that is if you have a stage where it goes you, me, you, me, then the person that gets the third pick essentially decides the fourth pick, and you end up with a stage where a team picks three players. One team gets three picks to one, which felt a little unfair. The other way you could do it is each team puts forward two teams separately without knowing, and then you get they get to pair the two that have been put forward against the two that haven't. Um, but that feels a bit more random and a bit less counterplay. So you get one good pick each, um, and then one sort of random pick or two random picks each, which feels the best way to do it. Um, ideally, we'd have a fifth player, and you can make it a bit more even, but we work with what we got. Uh, so to run through the players in each team, uh, team A, we have myself, Mike, Jamie, and Adam with World Eaters, Orcs, Custodies, and GSC. Rob, Craig, Matt, G, and Max with GSC, Orcs, uh, Death Guard, and Dark Angels. Uh, with Rob as team captain. Uh, in team C, we have Dennis, Matt, and Browning, and Chris O with Dark Angel, CSM, Orcs, and Necrons. Uh, with Matt being the captain of that team, reprising his role as the winning captain from season two. Um, and then in team D, we have Jasper, Tom F, Cam, and Danny with Tom F as captain. And Is, we have. Sorry, you said, you said um, Ted Matt's running Dark Angels. I thought he was running Iron Hands. He is running Iron Hands. You have it written as Iron Hands. I think you misread it. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, maps running on hands, and then um, yeah, sorry. Uh, team D teams are Blood Angels, World Eaters, Custodians, and Votan. Um, so, uh, what we thought we'd be to do is, did you guys have any uh, selection for your teams? Did you think, oh, I'll go with this because it'll complement this, or was it sort of everyone puts forward best army? We um we basically looked at all of the lists we were up against and all of our lists and did a sort of um good average bad sort of matrix um so like on paper what felt like a good matchup what felt like an a, a fairly balanced matchup and what felt like a, a bad matchup um and and therefore that would determine what we would put forward first, what what matchups we'd try and protect against, um, and um, and what and what matchups we wanted to prioritise as, as being potentially quite good for us. So there's, uh, you know, all credit to Rob here because he, he did a lot of the the, the thinking behind this. But you, you know, there was quite a lot of thought that went into um into the matchups uh that we that we wanted to avoid and the matchups that we thought would be you know beneficial to us on the on the balance of probability um you know for example we wanted to avoid um just because of the slightly different army compositions um adams gsc with rob's gsc 
Um, one, because we felt Rob's GSE was stronger into some of the other armies than some of our other armies, but also because he felt in the mirror the way the armies were constructed, Adams was potentially more shooting focused and therefore problematic for, for the way he built his list. So we were incredibly surprised when round two, Rob was the 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 card, the, the player up from our side, that you guys didn't put Adam forward um, because we, we thought that that would be a matchup you would want to, to push for. But it's also the reason um, that, because obviously you guys put yourself forward, um, we put, um, you, you put yourself forward as the first pick, first defender. It's why we put Rob in that too, because either Rob would get paired into you or Rob would get to pick from one of the other two in round two that meant we could avoid him into the GSC. It's interesting because well, I guess go through it step from step. Because um, obviously uh, I was on the, the other side of that. When we were looking at it, there was a general thought that, you know, World Eaters are pretty even into most of the field. Um, and, and I was looking at it and I was expecting because um, I've got quite a bit of two damage stuff in my list. I was thinking, well, Dark Angels and Death Guard would be, both seem to struggle with that and probably don't want uh, those, probably the ones that go go forward. And I got that 100% wrong. And the two that I didn't expect to go forward were uh, uh, Rob's GSC and uh, Craig's Orcs. Well, um, the thing is, you've, you've also got Custodes, which is two into one. Um so uh, we we were kind of thinking probably more about them than we were the world eaters when we were we were trying to organize that matchup which mm. i think is is the fourth pick isn't it i think that's custodes against um uh, orcs yeah uh, so, um, yeah but it, it was it was we i think we also felt that with the lack of speed um from the death guard you would you would be able to control primary probably a bit too easily. Um, that was the other thing. Like, I think Death Guard is probably a good matchup into world, good matchup for them into world eaters on most match, but on recover the relics when there's uh, a bit of space to cover. Um, yeah, that is a fair thing. So we we knew the mission before going into the the pairings process here. Um, yeah, it, and you're, you're absolutely right. The mission was a factor. Um, so yeah, uh, I got to pick out of Rob and Craig, and I didn't mind either matchup. But I haven't played Craig in a long time, and I have played Rob a lot, so I was like, I kind of want to play Craig. Uh, that was quite a, a strong influence again in our uh, decision making. Uh, uh, from there, we knew Rob was up, and. Oh, so we put up Mike and I think we put Jamie's the other one there. Um, yeah, Orcs and Custodes. Mm. Uh, so Rob got his pick of the two and chose uh, Orcs. And um, again, that was influenced by the fact that we thought that um, we thought that Death Guard would have a better time into Custodes than they would into Orcs. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense for things. Um, it's, it's interesting because from our point of view, uh, I got incidentally every prediction wrong about uh, what would happen. 
Um, and when we were looking at it, I was thinking, oh, do we want to protect uh, Adam's GSC from your Dark Angels given Desolators? And he's, he was quite confident about that matchup. Um, which surprised oh, me. Yeah, I, I, was, I was like, are you sure? That feels like, is that not the one we want to avoid? It's like, nah, that should be all right. Um, uh, and Adam plays a lot more GSC than me and his captain, so I will, I will take his knowledge there. Um, and even when it came to the who do you want to put forward secretly, um, whether it's just luck of anything, I was like, oh, this bit doesn't really matter. We could essentially randomize it. And Adam's like, nope, they're going to keep Dark Angels back, so I'll, I'll put myself in to wait for them. Um, that's, so that's... we, we, yeah. So we want. To, so Adam, Adam was like, "Cool, we want Dark uh, Custodians into Death Guard and uh, GSC into uh, Dark Angels, and we got those." So that's. It's interesting that I think both of us were aiming for those matchups and got yeah, it. Yeah, hundred so. percent. It's 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 crazy, isn't it? Um, so yeah, uh, full lineup there. Uh, World Eaters versus Orcs. Orcs versus GSC, Custodies versus Death Guard, um, and GSC versus Dark Angels. Um, with none of the games played yet. So, uh, Dennis, anything that like, jumps out as weird from those ones, I guess? Where you're like, I don't see why anyone tried for that pairing. What, from your two teams? Yeah, yeah. From ours. we'll come to, to your side in a second. Um. Yeah, having GSC, GSC on both sides was really interesting. I was kind of on the fence looking to see where it goes, and both Rob and Adam are fantastic players and both play GSC quite a lot. Um, and I was curious to see whether they'd want to be paired into each other or not, so uh, that was fun to see how it worked out. I wouldn't have thought that putting Custodes into Death Guard is a good idea, but I guess it depends on because the the thing with that mission is the four objectives are all like scattered around the center, aren't they? They're like I can't. How many inches are they back from the center? The... Yeah, you're not fighting over the middle of the board. Well, I, that, that was my point. I thought you are quite close to the middle of the board. Like even though you're coming it a long ways, you end up all four objectives are either side of the middle line in the center. They are 16 inches uh, apart. Right. So it, it's basically a big mush in the middle, right? Because once you're that close, you're within a charge range of the other side. You don't, because you're, if you think you've got three inches either side of that, so 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, best part of 22 inches like is, is the potential distance. So if the Death Guard, I'm, I'm just kind of spitballing here, but it's not as close as you think. Um, but so my point was that I would have thought Death Guard have a pretty good advantage there because if they can sit with tough units with their minus one damage, I mean most of Custodes is two damage. Yeah, well, that, and that because of the board and it's a hold one hold two mission, they can sit on three objectives quite yeah. comfortably. So, like I, I, I can't imagine that's a good matchup for Custodes. We'll see. Um, yeah, and then the, the world eaters is interesting. That like because the because we also have world eaters that we're up against in our team. But I was like when we were chatting yesterday, you and I was interesting to see who you would take your pick off. And like I think you're right. World eaters are kind of like either way, you're probably going to lose a bunch of stuff. And then really, it's just the case 
perspective, you're scoring equally well into both. So then let's just take your pick of having a more fun game or a game against an opponent you haven't played in a while. Yeah, uh, Craig does have Gaz, which is a real problem for World Eaters, because um, World Eaters don't deal well with phase caps. Um, mm. But yeah, uh, I, I have to say, I would hate to play a GSC mirror match, because that sounds like an absolute nightmare to play against. Um, but uh, The game's starting with just blips everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and I, I guess whoever goes second is probably at a massive advantage there. Because you always yeah. want to be the, the team. GSC are so good at being the team that hits first but can't take a punch. So yeah, um, if you go second, then they've got to commit first. And yeah, um, the interesting thing is there was a potential for you to end up with two mirror matches, right? With GSC G- and Orcs going into each other. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 just going to trust our our player skill in that one, and we're not going to worry about the the matchup. Um, Ignore differences in this and things for the purposes of that. But uh, yeah, that'll be a bold thing. Like I'm a, I'm a, our team players are better X than your team player, and we're just going to trust that um, <laughs> until the backfires. Yeah, yeah. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Then you've got lots of things to buy. But yeah, so for for Team C versus Team uh, D, um, so trying to get things so. Matt. So yeah, um, Team C was the homes they had put forward first, um, and Matt ended up going out of the first pick. Was there any particular reason behind that, Dennis? Uh, yeah, Matt's by nine hands, and uh, <laughs> what aren't they good into? So <laughs> uh, we were. I think the logic was that we knew we had pretty strong shooting. My list is kind of balanced shooting and combat. And then we had CSM uh, and I think Chris is playing Iron Warriors. Um, and then we had um, Orcs as well. So we're like, well, there are some really bad matchups for those others, so they can be quite easily countered. Um, so the only one that couldn't easily be countered is Iron Hands. So we put Matt put himself forward because he didn't really care what they put up against. He could take all of it. And it turned out quite well, actually, because we ended up picking, I think he ended up going into World Eaters. So he's just taking yeah, that he had, the equation for us. He had the choice of World Eaters or Votan. And I guess when you've got Necrons, Orcs, and CSM as your other pick who are predominantly combat-oriented, you perhaps don't want to be going into World Eaters. Um, yeah, well, like we were all much more comfortable. It's actually the secondary game, right? The the fact that Votan don't score well, and you can play around them. Uh, it's a relatively slow army. You can bog them down. You can take them out gradually, and they just don't have the same access to scoring as well beaters. And so we needed to have somebody that can kill them quick enough before they can rack up the uh, the secondary points. Uh, and I think the rest of us felt pretty comfortable with taking on Votan, so it was a relatively easy choice. Yeah, so Votan was the uh, side up next, and yourself and Dan's Orcs were put forward. Um, it ended up being Votan versus Orcs, which sounds like you were you just generally comfortable with. Yeah, we, I really wanted it to be my matchup. Like, I don't mind going into Votan. I've had a few games into them. They always go pretty well for me the 
so yeah, I was a little disappointed that they picked Orcs. Uh, but I think it's good for Orcs. I think Orcs have a good good game into Votan. Uh, for the same reasons, they can overwhelm them, keep them like hemmed in, score lots of points. Uh, but they will die eventually. You know, but if it doesn't happen before the end of turn four, I think we just win on points. Yeah, so that left with the the sort of random picks. Um, so it ended up with being Chris's CSM against Blood Angels. Um, and Chris is on Warriors, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and I normally say that's probably a decent matchup for um, most CSM armies, but I think that's probably one where actually. Um, Blood Angels are probably more favoured into Iron Warriors. Um, yeah, I don't feel good about it. <laughs> Put it that way. I, I can't remember the exact Blood Angels list that they're playing, but I don't think it's a great matchup for us. Uh, get Blood Angels to look up. Uh, that's Custodes. Uh, Jasper, uh, uh, Dread, Norman Fiston, some Heavy Intercessors, some Interstrade Squads. Centurion Assault Squad, some Sanary Guard. Actually, two big Terminator squads on either side. Um, two slightly, two quite different uh, archetypical, like Blood Angels versus Arm Warriors. The Arm Warriors do have some two, two big Mark of Nurgle uh, Terminator squads uh, and a big Horn Berserker squad. They'll do some damage in melee, but I think these Blood Angels are just so efficient. Even into armed warriors that are going to stimulate their damage a bit, it's going to be going to be tough for them. Um, yeah. Uh, and then yourself versus custodies. Yeah, funny story that. Yeah. <laughs> we we were talking as a team just before the, the the matchups, and I was like, look, I'm okay with any of the armies, even world eaters. I feel like I can usually keep up with the scoring and just manage to kill them quickly enough because just the volume of shooting is pretty good as i just just don't give me custodes you know like custodes is just it's the same reason i hate playing into armager spam it's really tough really high opsec just if i if i roll low and they roll high on their saves it just swings the game it just takes one turn where that doesn't happen and then the damage output yeah i can't the army doesn't put up with it very well and so, I ended up custodes again. <laughs> in the, in last teams, we did. When I was, uh, we get the same situation. It's like, look, give me anything except Harlequins. Ended up with Harlequins. This camera, I was like, give me anything except custodes. And next time, I'm just not going to say what I don't want. <laughs> I guess that's kind of why it's surprising you guys put Matt forward as first pick if he can go into anything. Because if you put your, if you go forward, and even if one of the two options is custodes, you can pick the other option. Um, so, or, or if there was someone else who you thought had a bad matchup. So I, I guess that's why it's surprising that you're, you're kind of the list you're most confident about winning into, into everything else would be the one that you guys would put down first. Yeah, the thing is, we act, you know, there was a few bad matchups for us in just list versus list between our team and their team. Uh, like Iron Warriors and Blood Angels, we didn't want to happen, really. Um, and so we were trying to protect them. And so really, we should have put one of the either mine or Chris's yeah. list up first. But 
we were hoping that we can manage to budget throughout and then get both favorable matchups rather than end up with a bad one of the bad matchups guaranteed essentially uh, and it backfired we ended up with both matchups we didn't really want <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay look last time we ended up with matchups we didn't want and we still won so um we just have to pull it out of the bag again this time and, and you know what we've all got different theories about what is a good and bad matchup so i'm sure someone someone's going to be wrong somewhere and, oh, yes. and look, one it. thing I learned from the teams uh, ITT last year is, and why I love team like tournaments so much and team league games so much, is because you can theorize all you want, you know, all these strategies about what's a good matchup, what's a bad <laughs> matchup. At the end of the day, when you start rolling and it's so player dependent and it's so, like, there's just so much unknown and like so many variables around everything else. Um, we almost half more than half the time like most of the time we ended up with matchups we didn't want like you still do well and the matchups you do want can totally not work out against you because you just run into the one player that really knows how to use the army and actually knows how to play against your army so yeah it's yeah i think it's a, it's a fair point that as a general rule, i'll be like cool world eaters into necrons is a it's a seems like a good matchup for them um but last time i played dennis you won reasonably comfortably in the end um and you know player player skill like i think De dennis is certainly the best necro in the player in the, the local area and further um the and... only player in the local area <laughs> <laughs> and further uh, yeah. uh the, the, okay I'll, I'll explain it the best necron player i've played in uh ninth then um hey. Um, and like him playing Necrons is, makes it a very different matchup to random person playing Necrons. Yeah, and that's huge when you know the people, right? Which is why this league is kind of fun because you're selecting the people you're going up against as much, if not more, as the armies you're going up against. Yeah, I, I guess that's the thing because both like. In that GSC mirror match, it's probably more dependent on who goes second, I guess, without having ever played it. But I'm like, Adam has like religiously played GSC for like two or three years, and Rob's played them for less time, so I'd probably favour Adam, even like not being that familiar with the army list. Like I know that's a matchup you wanted to avoid in your thing. Um, but it, it was interesting that I did that was a key thing that you were trying to avoid that hadn't just certainly wasn't discussed in our team's chat. I'm not sure if it played in, in Adam's mind at all. Um, yeah, yeah. I think there were there were two two matchups or or maybe three matchups we wanted to avoid. One was um, the 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 GSC mirror. One was um, Death Guard into Orcs, and also I, I think uh, Death Guard into World Eaters as well. Those were the ones we thought that might be a bit of a sticky wicket. So, yeah, we, we were we were pretty pleased actually with kind of where we ended up with the with the pairings all all the way through. Yeah, it would be interesting because you know if like if Craig beats me and Mike beats Rob, and that's been the picks that me and Rob have sort of picked out for ourselves. That it sort of looks much more silly than you know 
the fact that Craig and Mike have been selected. Um, well, I mean, that was that was quite interesting to be able to get a guy game in against Mike last week, just before the kind of the the pairings and the the list submissions happened. Because obviously, I've, I've played against the 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 rest of you. So is it Jamie who's custodes? Yes. Yeah, so I've not played against him, but um, so it, I, I at least wanted to have a, a bit of a go um, at Mike just to see what sort of list he might potentially run. Because um, I could I could say with a reasonable degree of certainty, if you were running a certain type of thing, you'd be how you'd play it. And and um, and similar with Adam, I've, I've played him enough times, although not not recently. Um, so. It, that's the quite the nice thing about when it comes to the the teams format is the the teams are a, a bit more of a mix of players and suddenly you've got some people that you maybe don't play against all of the time or or what have you. But yeah. then they're the un- unknown quantities, um, the wild cards. Yeah, because I think there's, there's sort of two people in each team, roughly speaking, that I've played either often or recently. Uh, and there's sort of two people in each team that I'm like, I haven't played you for either a long time or ever. Um, I'm not sure if that's roughly the similar with others, but I would guess so without knowing. I was I was just hoping to avoid you, Ewan, because <laughs> in this time of the year, it's 2-2 in game. And do you know what? I think I'll quit while I'm... Uh, I'm tied. I'll quit while I'm quit, quit while I'm level. Fair enough. Um, we are like almost in the opposite because I don't think any of us played uh, anyone from Team D before. So this is like, you know, zero point of reference kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, t- Team D is the one I'm least familiar with, certainly. Um, um, and it's the yeah, I think if, when we when we do the end of season thing, we'll, we'll have, if anyone from Team D is listening and wants to be on the sort of end of season wrap up, um, please do let me know. So we've got a, a representative from your team, um, PM me in the chat, and we can we can add you to the podcast group. Um, it's something I think actually someone I think Rob said suggested we should have done for the divisions last time we did this, and I completely forgot about. Um, so apologies for that. Any other thoughts on the season? No, looking forward to it. Um, looking forward any trash to talk? You, any trash talk you want to put out either? No, come on. Hey, we're all we're all, we're all panels here. Um, plus, I don't want to look silly uh, if it uh, if it backfires. That's the number one reason for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. want to say anything and then be like, "Oh, I have to eat my words now." Oh, yeah, humble pie all over his face. Yeah, it's <laughs> all recorded on the internet. Yeah, exactly. Um, I already had a close call when uh, uh, at the last Fire and Fire and Dice team event when I was trash talking how badly uh, Harlequins got hit in the in their update going with their invon going to five up, and then uh, Doug challenged me and he's like, "No, they got worse. They're still incredibly strong." And I was just just rubbishing them. I was like, "No, they're borderline unplayable now. You're never going to see this." Like, all right, okay, I'll bring it to the next tournament. We can have a face off. And so Sid set it up to so our first game as head to head. 
so that was uh, that was very scary. Scary. I was like, everyone's heard this like public debate in a group chat of me rubbishing these Harlequins. So if I lost them, that would have been absolutely embarrassing. Yeah, the tr trick is now I've got a member of the next team events to try and team to trash talk the worst player in the group and see if I can, uh, or build a list very specifically to target a player and be like, yeah, <laughs> go for that. And then not, not get that pairing. Um, yeah, yeah. I've, I've announced it on a podcast now, so it's... Uh, terrible into the other options. <laughs> yeah, I've just brought, uh, you know, a bunch of Laz cannons or whatever to face its Chaos Nightlist and don't end up playing it. Uh, although, actually, I don't think that's a particularly good way to go about fighting Chaos Knights. But, uh, well, I was going no, to say, that's probably not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's the wrong one. way to go. You're going to roll one on the damage anyway. Oh... <laughs> I mean, I was running four of them yesterday, and I don't think I got above a three. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, should we wrap it up there, everyone? Yeah, sounds good to me. Good to chat, gents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool stuff. Well, see you all around. Um, I guess there's no chance of me playing Max, so I can wish him good luck. Um, Dennis, if you yeah. could use all your good up luck up in round one, that would be ideal. <laughs> Um, or, or, or at least by at least by round three. Um, I think that's when we're playing you. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. Away. That's that's a lot of games between now and then. Well, well, not, it's not three our, games. Not our games, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> other <laughs> other games. Yeah, a month, month and a half away. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, I guess that's the point. Just to. If you've been listening to this, you've got until, I think I said Friday 19th, Wednesday 17th. Assume it's Wednesday. If you want to change your list for round two, you can. You can't change your faction. Um, just get it in as early as possible. Um, I will double check what I said on the announcement thing. Uh, Sunday 14th. Uh, so you've got until the end of this week as it's being recorded. Um, to, end of the first round to change your list and you can change as much of the list as you want to um, but it just needs to be done early enough so that team captains can look at it in preparation for next week so sorry you and on that note do you already have the team versus team matchups then yeah so it's uh, a and b c and d this week the next week it's a versus d and b versus c or oh, uh, uh, next round sorry no next week got it um so Matt, you two so could be head next be, week. Could be facing each other next week, uh, next round. Yeah. Fighting. Oh, God, you've got iron hands on your team, haven't you? Oh. Yeah. yeah. DA versus Dark Angels versus Necrons. I probably fancy Dark Angels in that. Yeah, me too. Uh, I might switch factions. <laughs> You, no, can't, can't, can't you can change, <laughs> change your list. I mean, I, I, I definitely think you can build a Necron list to beat dark angels um you know this is very dependent on what you bring you know you bring a bunch of toughness five stuff to take the desolators out of the picture uh, i mean i beat matt on friday uh he was running i mean basically the same list he ran with iron hands but ultramarines because he's taking gilliam and and i won that um but that's a much less scary prospect than uh the nine hands yeah I know, I know, because I came in and watched a, a little bit of that at my lunch break, um, and my and Matt was like, "Oh yeah, just having a silly little list." I wonder if there was any like, "Ooh, we could play each other." I'm going to keep my my best toys back or anything. 
Well, I mean, you didn't really need to because I've already seen the list that he's running in this round, and it's <laughs> one that smashed my face in in the last last league. So uh, there, there, is, there will be no surprises. I know exactly what he'll probably bring, and it'll be horrific. I, I think, genuinely speaking, Matt was probably experimenting because we we have to commit to our Birmingham teams lists. So I think he's probably experimenting trying things out because now's the time to do it right we have a couple of weeks we have to yeah yeah me me, dennis and matt are on the the same team at the birmingham team event so you mean with his old marines yeah like i don't think he was i don't he i think he's certain he's taking space marines i think now he's the the obvious choices are iron hands or dark angels but yeah i guess he's experimenting to see what else might work yeah I mean, it's an interesting concept, but um, I think he struggled to keep his um, all of his overlapping auras together. And I think the, the Iron Hands are just slightly less reliant on on that. Because um, as, as soon as I managed to distract Gilliman to one side of the board, the, the, his, everything else was a, a little overexposed. So I, I think the Iron Hands list is, is significantly stronger. But I, I guess it depends a little bit on, because he had a, a brick of 10 Terminators, and unfortunately for him, my brick of 10 Terminators uh, hits quite a lot harder and is uh, a bit more survivable. So um, that was quite a it, was a... it was a bit of a dark mirror, but it ended up being not a great matchup for him um, because his Terminators went into my Terminators, my Terminators were minus one damage and had a six up, feel no pain. Uh, his had none of that, um, and even though he swung first, it was it was it was a bloodbath. So I'd I'd be surprised if he didn't deviate back towards Iron Hands for a competitive tourney. It it just wasn't quite there with the Ultramarines, certainly in that configuration of of units. Fair enough. I think let's leave it there, gents. Thanks for joining me. Um, Thanks, guys. I'm sure I'll see you across the table soon. Take care. Bye.